It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Who they think you're gonna beat them bangles? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to start with a little bit of late-breaking news here on Wednesday as we record that Alex Van Pelt is being considered, perhaps imminently, for an offensive coordinator job in Cleveland. Carson Palmer made a few appearances on some radio interviews today, making some comments about Joe Burrow and obviously what he can expect, the parallels between those careers in Cincinnati, And then we've got Ben Baby joining us for the last two segments of the show, talking about a little bit of his background. He came from Texas to Cincinnati, so we'll get to know Ben a little bit. And then we'll get his sense of what the immediate future in the offseason has in store for Bengals fans and for the organization. The primary news to talk about here is that Alex Van Pelt here on January 29th could be heading to Cleveland to take over offensive coordinator duties under new head coach Kevin Stefanski and at this point in the offseason after coaching the senior bowl it just feels so late for Alex Van Pelt to be going to another team but it's a promotion and I would get it I'd understand why he'd want to move and get that opportunity again I really like the idea of the Bengals having three quarterback centric guys you know Van Pelt uh, Callahan and, and Taylor obviously to bring in uh, Joe Burrow with the first overall pick start over at quarterback with a franchise guy And now if they have to start over at quarterback coach, that could shake things up a little bit more than I think they'd want to going into February. Two years in a row now, they're going to be looking into the second month of the season as everyone's been picked over, trying to find maybe one of the, yeah, I'd say the most important positional coach on on the team. It is a little bit humorous to read the responses to Zach Jackson's tweet. There are a lot of Browns fans that are not very happy about this news because they look at how Andy Dalton played this year and they think, oh, that guy can't coach quarterbacks. And I think that that's a little bit myopic. It ignores his history of success working back in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And he's got a lot of experience both playing and coaching the position. So I think these fans are not very well informed And for the Bengals, here you are looking at drafting your franchise quarterback and perhaps needing to reset at that quarterback coach position. Speaking of drafting that quarterback, though, Carson Palmer had a few appearances today speaking about what it was like for him to come in as this franchise savior, first overall pick, 
And whether he had advice for Joe Burrow or what it might be like for Joe Burrow, what did he have to say, Joe? Well, I made some headlines, and when I went and listened to the interview, it wasn't nearly as as inflammatory as I expected. He basically said that the Bengals never really put their best foot forward in attempting to try and build a team to win. He, he compared it to when he went to the Cardinals, and that's when he first saw the difference of an owner and an organization that said, we're going to do whatever it takes to put a winning team. And he's specifically met a team meant to go to the Super Bowl while he didn't reach that with the Cardinals. He did talk about, and he did defend the Bengals a little bit from Dan Patrick. When Dan Patrick tried to warn him and Joe Burrow of how the Bengals don't have much talent, picking first overall, obviously you're not a good team when you, when you were awarded that position. But Carson Palmer did say, and I maybe read a little bit too much into this, but when he defended uh, the talent level that they've always had some good skill players and then mentioned since Duke Tobin has had a larger role with this team that maybe uh, the, the roster is on the higher end of what it used to be when Carson Palmer was there and definitely what it was in the 90s. I felt what, like him saying that was, okay, they have a guy who is maybe by default the, the GM or the decision maker on the team and that's more than what Carson Palmer had and he's ended it with now let's see if they'll go spend the money and try and win a Super Bowl yeah that was the most interesting thing that Palmer had to say is that he never felt like they were committed to winning a Super Bowl and we've talked about that on the podcast before in saying do the Bengals really know how to go all in to try to win they have a unique opportunity this year to do so with resetting at quarterback with 50 to 75 million dollars to play with in free agency and for extending their own guys. So there are a lot of question marks out there, but if they can put forth a concerted effort to do some things differently, change the way they operate, this is an opportunity to say, hey, Carson Palmer, you know what? We recognize what you're saying is actually right here. And we're going to go out there and try to do things differently this time with the number one pick. Then things might go better for the Bengals. And I don't think he's wrong. I think that's maybe a little bit, hard sometimes I do think when he was with CBS and doing an interview you know it's Radio Row he's down at the Super Bowl in Miami when the host asked him was it more your injury or was it more the Bengals unable to build a team in the following years that really robbed him of the best chance to lead the Bengals to a Super Bowl and he didn't say it was the injury in 05 he kind of said well things happen you know we had the Steelers number we thought we had a good team things happen but he did lean into it was the following years that really sunk him and, and the team and the opportunity they had. You listen to a Bengals podcast, so I'm assuming you enjoy football at a deep level because the Bengals were not an enjoyable football team to watch this year. But what is enjoyable for the teams that are playing anyway is the Super Bowl, and we haven't talked about it yet, but it's finally that time of year. You've got a feeling who's going to win, who's going to bring home that trophy. You don't want to miss out on your last chance. To get your bets in before the NFL season ends. My bookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is simply unrivaled. And you can even visit mybookie.ag slash party now to access a principal prop sheet for the big game. And just like all year, we've got another great offer. If you deposit now, they'll match your deposit halfway. And that's free cash to throw down on your best bet. This will be the last chance to take advantage. So sign up now, enter promo code locked on when you make your deposit. That's promo code locked on to give your bankroll a jumpstart. My bookie. Play, win, and get paid. 
If you've been a listener of the Lockdown Bengals podcast, you've heard the great advertisers like Abco Safety, Tourism Arizona, and the Epic Hotel down in Miami who have worked with us to reach Bengals fans. We are a great way for you to reach out and get in touch with local podcast listeners. Our local Locked On podcast listeners, predominantly a male audience, well-educated, and most importantly, they have disposable income money to spend. So if you want to connect with Bengals fans to come make some purchases from your local business, we have an opportunity right now for you. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And as promised, esteemed ESPN Bengals writer Ben Baby is with us today. Ben, how's it going, man? Hey, I'm doing well. How are y'all doing? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing? Let's get it out of the way. Fantastic. A uh, round of goods to greats to fantastics. So, Ben, this is your first year in Cincinnati. You've been asked a skyline question, but in case our listeners have missed it, let's just start with the low-hanging fruit. What is your skyline order? Uh, I just get the conies. Uh, I, get, I usually get a slate of three conies with uh, habanero cheese, and I call it a day. I think they just keep it nice and simple. Uh, I like the cheese because uh, you know we eat you know chili dogs you know in Texas, so that's not a foreign concept. Um, I'm a big fan, so um, you know I think the problem for me is when you go like three way, four way, five. You know when you when you when you add the spaghetti in there, it's not really the the flavor of the chili or the lack of like consistency in chili to what it is back where I'm used to. It's really just that it's just too liquidy. Like the consistency is my biggest beef and that makes it for me tough to eat. Um, but the conies, because the bread and the meat end up sopping up a lot of the chili, um, you know, it's, it's right there. It's compact. Um, I can, I can do those all day. So, um, I know this is probably a little more in depth, um, analysis mm-hmm. of my chili order than you wanted, but, uh, that is usually what I go with. I, I, I think, think that's exactly. Yeah, that's necessary for our listeners and Skyline fans. And you know what? To be honest with you, going back to Cincinnati now, I don't get it terribly often. I make my own sort of recipe from time to time here in Canada. And the flavor that you get when you cook it down, because you can take the time to cook it down when you make it at home, is is better. And it, it does taste to me now. And I know this is her- heresy, but it tastes to me a little bit watered down when I go back to Skyline. Still eat it. I like the chili cheese sandwich myself. And this Cholito thing is something that I'm going to have to try. But three conies is a respectable order. No, it's a, I've heard a lot. Of, I've heard um, anytime I need suggestions on what I need to order from places, I just tweet it out. And then people are like, when I went to UDF for the first time, I was like, uh, a lot of people sent me their orders of what to get the next time I went back. So now I just basically just pull up the tweet and then say, all right, what do I need to get? So uh, luckily the people have been very uh, accommodating and making sure I, I try out what I need to do. And shout out also, Paul Daner gave uh, Tyler Dragon and I a bunch of recommendations. So my wife and I uh, will go around town and try out a lot of places that Daner has uh, sent us so we can uh, give those a whirl. So Ben, you're from Texas. Did you grow up more of a uh, college football fan or NFL? Who was your teams for each? Um, so I grew up a, I grew up an A&M fan for college, which is unfortunate because I ended up covering them for a little bit. But, you know, once I went to North Texas for, for school, that became kind of my team. I'm wearing a North Texas hoodie now. 
um, which is miserable because our team is a, our program is just a disaster. Uh, we've had a last like if we make a bowl game in any given year, that's a phenomenal season. So uh, what Seth Cottrell has done there in the last few years has been really fun. Um, you know, we're mostly known as a music school, we've got great liberal arts program, our jazz program, uh, one of the best in the nation. Uh, notable alums include Nora Jones and Stone Cold Steve Austin. So that's mm-hmm. kind of that's the kind of school we are. So, um, you know, we, we um, that was that's that's what I rep for college. And then, you know, obviously being from Dallas, uh, grew up a Cowboys fan, uh, which people don't realize is actually very painful uh, because the last time the Cowboys went to a, a conference championship game, I believe, was ninety five, ninety six when they won Super Bowl 30. So it's been a long time. I mean, up until uh, a few years ago, I mean, you could name so many organizations that had been that had won a playoff game since the last time, you know, the Cowboys had made it to, you know, won a divisional round game and then made it to the conference championship. So it's actually interesting. There's a lot of similarities between uh, the Cowboys' recent history and what the Bengals have done since they've uh, been to the Super Bowl. So what do you think about what the Cowboys are doing right now and going from Garrett to Mike McCarthy? You know, like I said, it, it, there are a lot of interesting comparisons. And one of the comparisons around town is, you know, it's, it's you can only care so much as long as Jerry Jones is kind of the owner. Um, right. A lot of people have kind of punted and said, you know, Jerry's going to want to do things his way. And, you know, it's kind of why Jason Garrett lasted for so long. And there are a lot of theories as to how the Cowboys are run the way they are. Um, you know, I, I don't you know, you could you could make a lot of assumptions as to what happened, you know, in Jerry's psyche after the whole Jimmy and Jerry split. Um, cause things have never been as good since then. I think it's also worth pointing out that the salary cap has really hindered the Cowboys because Jerry will spend whatever it takes uh, to build a winner. Like if there is no salary cap, the Cowboys would be in the running every year. So I will give him that much credit, but, um, you know, it's, it's fascinating, you know, seeing kind of how both, you know, each of those franchises work out. I don't know if Mike McCarthy's going to, going to be the answer. I haven't, you know, over the last like five, six, seven years, I haven't really followed it that much, especially, you know, what people don't realize is like, I've, so I've been, a sports writer, um, you know, covering, and I've covered, you know, football as the main sport since what, 2011. And, you know, when you're covering high school and colleges, like even when, when I covered either one of those, you know, you've got games Friday night and then you watch, um, and it's kind of inverted if you're for whatever you're covering, you watch games Friday night, then you watch games Saturday. By the time Sunday rolls around, you're so exhausted of football that you just take a day off and then you go back into the week on Monday. So I didn't really watch a lot of the NFL the last few years. I know this might, might be a little surprising, but you just get so exhausted. And when you're so into what you're doing on a regular basis, you don't really have time for it. And so like when Zach Taylor was like, Oh, I really don't watch a lot of college ball because right now I watch so much football throughout the week. I kind of empathize with that because you can only take in so much before you can't process it anymore. And during the season, I think for a professional coach who's preparing his team and dealing with the rigors of an NFL season, asking him to also prepare for the draft as a scout would is probably asking a bit much. And so I think that that makes a lot of sense. But you have the juxtaposition of a team that if there was no salary cap in the Dallas Cowboys, they would be probably one of your championship teams every year, at least in their conference championship. Whereas the Bengals, by comparison, I think a lot of us believe if there was no salary cap, well, they would be the Pittsburgh Pirates of football. They would be spending $40 million a year collecting that shared revenue. How different is that going from a follower of the Dallas organization to now covering Mike Brown's Bengals? You know, it, it is a little little interesting just in the way that they approach uh, the way that they run their respective franchises. You know, Mike and, and the Brown family have really kept most of their business, from what I understand, is kind of still just 
the franchise, still the Bengals. I think that's their primary source of, of kind of what they do. And and the Jones family has really diversified their entire portfolio. I mean, what they've done uh, with their indoor practice facility in Dallas is a, is a prime example. You know, they had their bubble collapse a few years ago and they decided, OK, we're going to go build an indoor facility in Frisco, which is about 40 miles uh, north of downtown Dallas and uh, like an hour away, you know, if you count in traffic from AT&T Stadium. Uh, but that's also an indoor um, – that's also the high school football complex for the local high school, which has like 11 high schools or 12 high schools or something ridiculous. It's now a, a big like entertainment center. Like Texas Tech had their spring game. Uh, I think Mikey Garcia is going to fight there in a couple weeks. Errol Spence has already fought there. Um, you know, they have uh, like a, a bunch of bars and restaurants. And you know, like I know people that go out basically near the Cowboys practice facility. Nike's opening is there. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of an example of how they use kind of their business acumen a little different. Like they've got an incubator, like a business incubator inside the team headquarters. There's a lot of places that are um, incubated out of there. I think Eric Burkhart's agency is one of them, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it's just really fascinating to see kind of how both of them go about uh, the business. And, you know, for the Brown family, they've kind of stuck to this and this has been their bread and butter. So, um, you know, I'm still trying to pick up on the nuances, kind of how both places are run, because, um, you know, like you said, it is very different and the Browns, you know, for better or for worse, have a very unique way uh, of operating. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Well, speaking of money and how the Bengals would spend it, you know how they operate. I want to get to free agency in that topic, touch on the draft a little bit more than that right after this. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there. Or maybe, we've talked about it before, you're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona, take yourself a little spring break, plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. So we're leaving off there talking about the differences between the Cowboys and the Bengals spending money. And Ben, I'm sure you get here and you hear everything of uh, the Bengals are cheap. They don't usually go out and spend on free agents. Or if they do, it's 
typically the wrong people, as you saw last year uh, with Preston Brown. And I think people could argue Bobby Hart and so on, maybe even John Miller. But it, I don't know if it's and I'm trying to decipher this, I think, as we go and as we approach March and spring, um, if it's the hope, if it's the opportunity with drafting Joe Burrow, more than likely, uh, you know, young coach and or if it's just the situation with the talent being depleted on this roster and in some key areas. The feeling is, and I want—I wonder if you're getting this too—is that they may spend a little bit more or bring in more people. That doesn't mean they go out and throw money and light it on fire. But I do feel like the feeling is they could be a little bit more active this year in free agency. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's probably a, a fair sentiment. You can kind of tell by talking to Duke Tobin uh, last week. You know, when we got him in Mobile before we talked to y'all. Um, he kind of referenced that a little bit, and I think that and, you know some of the coaching staff believes that they'll be able to go out and and spend kind of where they need to. Now, as Duke said last week, um, you know, they're not going to go out and spend a ton of money just for the sake of spending money. They're going to make sure that they're spending money uh, in the right places. But given where the roster's at, I, I don't know if you can be too conservative. And especially if you have the cap space that, you know, you could potentially have next year by offloading Andy's contract, offloading Cordy Glenn's contract. Um, you know, it, I think you you are going to have a ton of cap space. So you can do something with it. And there are a lot of places they need to improve on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I would imagine that would probably be the biggest point of emphasis this off season, just based on the conversations that, you know, I've had with the coaching staff. I think that's probably, um, you know, if they were to spend money in, in whether or capital, whether that be draft picks or free agent salaries on the defensive side of the ball, that wouldn't shock me one bit. Looking at Spotrack. Just with the two easy moves, the two moves that I think everyone expects to happen, Andy Dalton either released or traded, Cordy Glenn released or traded, they're looking at $75 million in cap space. Bengals.com, Jeff Hodgson, he's talking about they've got to extend green, so you take all that Andy Dalton money, you you just give it to AJ Green, $20 million a year, so you're down to 55 And they want to talk about giving Joe Mixon an extension. That shouldn't add money this year. Maybe it adds a little bit to manage those numbers but they're looking at 50 plus million dollars that they can spend in free agency and nobody's asking them i think to spend for the sake of spending we want to see them spending that money for impact players rather than like we just talked about the guys joe said preston brown don't get guys you're familiar with and comfortable with is there any sense that they will actually be able to attract that difference maker free agent this year you know that's that's so tough to sell, tell, and, and you know, frankly, I don't I don't know if that's going to be you know what their thought process is on on exactly who they're going to be able to bring in or who they're looking to bring in. I still think it's a little early. Um, given I think you still need to see what happens with AJ's contract situation, with Joe's contract situation, and then kind of see okay, what, where can we fill holes in the draft and, and kind of where where are we at moving forward? Um, you know, I, I think that you kind of need a, you know, a veteran linebacker would probably be a good idea. I don't know what they're going to end up doing with Nick Vigil. Um, cause he, you know, I think, I think that's going to be one of the big ones. I think once they figure out what they're going to do with Vigil's contract and then what they're going to do with Andrew Billings, contract, I think that's going to set the tone for the rest of the off season, because those are the two big pieces uh, on each level, respectively on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, at, at, you know, I would imagine maybe looking at potentially another cornerback somewhere. I wouldn't be shocked because you're, you're kind of getting older at that, at that position. And I know that they want to get younger and better essentially at every level. And that's been made very clear throughout this offseason. Um, and if you don't get vigil, I would imagine they would go get another linebacker, a veteran linebacker. If they don't resign Billings or they, you know, it doesn't work out there, then I would imagine uh, they might go get another veteran DT. Um, you know, in addition to maybe drafting at both those positions at well at some point, 
um, you know, on day two. So there's a lot of pieces that still need to go together. And I, I think once they figure out what they're doing with their own guys, um, then they'll then they'll say, okay, you know, how do we go about filling these holes moving forward? So then let's move on to the draft because I think that's always where the Bengals are aiming to add impact players if they you know hit their picks. But man, it's a weird year. It feels like we're just starting with 33 and going from there because as we're sitting here, it's still January and it feels like 99 plus percent that it's going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, ben, what's your take on Burrow? How much did you watch at LSU? And uh, you know what? What do you think about him? Hey, listen, listen. Let's not rule out Justin Herbert as a potential number one candidate. Jordan Love. Uh, don't knock Jordan Love. Um, all fine quarterback candidates here. Uh, no, you know, and also y'all, y'all got to give me a pity laugh at some point. No, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, no, it was going to be Burrow. As much as everyone freaks out about any time Justin Herbert is mentioned, uh, which has just been ridiculous. I, well, let's first address this number one. Like anytime we said that, okay, you know, you know, the Bengals are going to look at Herbert or whatever. I think they have to. Like you'd have right. to be kind of stupid to just say, all right, it's going to be Burrow and nobody else. And let's say something like catastrophic or something happens to where you're not going to take Burrow. And then you're sitting with however many days in between that time you figure out you can't take them in the draft. And you're sitting there going, okay, we have a number one pick and we are underprepared for how to use this. That would be way worse than saying, you know what, let's just go ahead. And that's way worse than upsetting the fan base by saying, hey, we're going to evaluate whatever options we have, um, knowing that, you know, we're like you said, 99% chance it's going to be Burrow. Like I, like everybody else, I'm going to be stunned um, if it's not Burrow. Uh, but, you know, I think they're they they're going to take who they get, you know, take a look at some of these guys like Herbert and, you know, some of these other quarterbacks just in case something falls through. But um, anyways, that's I want to address that now. Sorry. What was your actual question again? Just your general take on bro. How much did you get to watch during LSU's fun season? Yeah. You know, I, I was like y'all and, you know, had a hunch that he'd probably end up being here the worst the Bengals season went. And as he kind of climbed up the draft board and, you know, I, it was fun for me because I watched him, you know, in person last year. Um, you know, when A&M played Texas, LS, uh, A&M played LSU and, you know, followed Burrow that whole um, 2018 season. I was actually in Arlington coincidentally for his first start uh, when he started against Miami. And, you know, nobody really knew who he was. I think that was actually the first time he talked to the media, too, was after they beat Miami that that game. And, you know, it's you know, last year you, I wasn't really impressed with Burrow. I guess in 2018, I wasn't really impressed with Burrow, you know, and I was like everybody else, you know, didn't see him as a guy who was going to be a, you know, blow you away. Uh, quarterback that you had to take number one overall and you know you go look at the numbers across the board and in 2019 and all of them skyrocketed I think you can give a lot of credit to Joe Brady and and this wide receiver core because they were really good I mean that whole that whole offense uh, was just clicking the entire year Uh, but you know there are some numbers that you can look at and in you know Burroughs you know ability to find guys under pressure find guys when he's blitzed um, you know you know, be creative and, and extend plays when you need to. Those are all the things that Zach Taylor is looking for. He wants, um, you know, when we asked him throughout the whole year, essentially, we've been trying to pick him and Brian Callahan's brand on, okay, what are you guys looking for in a quarterback? And, you know, they said, we want guys who make really good pre-snap reads, who are good with, you know, get the ball out when they need to get it out. Um, you know, and, and you heard Zach say last week, you know, being able to extend plays. Uh, and I think actually Duke said it with y'all, mm-hmm. being able to extend plays as a necessity now, especially on third down. You know, and that screams, okay, we need a guy like Burrow who can kind of create some extra moments in the pocket to get rid of, you know, create some extra moments behind the line of scrimmage to get rid of the ball. And and Burrow did a lot of things well. I think, you know, the toughest thing about his evaluation, and no matter how, you know, much a quarterback looks like a slam dunk, and we've seen this so over, over the years so many times, you know, quarterback is by far the toughest position to evaluate. Um, you know, their offensive coordinator, I once had a guy 
you know, I, I won't throw he's a current OC, I think, somewhere. Uh, we were we were after a spring game and he, and he looks at me and he goes, look at this guy. He looks, you know, I think he could be the next Philip Rivers. And I was like, oh, OK. Turns around. That kid was awful. Like he got benched like three, three games into the season. And this guy went, I mean, and, you know, they, they legitimately thought this guy was going to be amazing. And for whatever reason, like it's just such a tough, you know, position to project at every level, which is why, you know, when you get it right, it really works. And, you know, you, you know, quarterback can be such a dynamic position. But, um, you know, I think the toughest thing about Burrow, you know, saying all of that is going to be trying to evaluate, OK, you know, how much why did he get so much better? How much of it was attributed to the personnel and coaching staff that he had around him? And I think the, the number one question that the Bengals are going to be asking is, can he replicate this? at the next level, because when you look at it, 2019 was more or less the anomaly in his college career. Um, you know, granted, you know, I think him not beating out Dwayne Haskins for the starting job. I don't think there's any, any shame in that. Um, and him transferring, I think was a unique situation. It's not like he was being benched for some random schmuck. I mean, Haskins was a, you know, a top draft pick, uh, last year was starting uh, last year for the Redskins obviously was great at Ohio state. So, you know, it's not like Burrow lost uh, the battle to some some bozo, you know, for lack of a better phrase. I can't, can't think of another word right now. But, you know, I think um, I think Burrow could bring, bring a lot of exciting things. Um, and I liked what I saw and like you guys did. I'm sure y'all, um, you know, have talked about that ad nauseum. But I think, you know, there's a lot of things that he does well that, that could fit the Bengals. And the one thing that you have uniquely tweeted today is you went out and you found that Manning camp tweet highlighting his leadership a guy missed roll call i want to ask about that and i don't know what the question is so tell me about it no it's funny my guy uh, my guy matt trent who now is does tv in baton rouge we can never escape all the stuff he used to, we were both uh friends that uh, uh he we were both in college station together and he we all escaped uh college station and now he's in baton rouge and so he had some joe burrow b-roll and so i thought that was hilarious that burrow was out here calling some kid out because the kid obviously was trying to lie his way around and Joe wasn't having any of it. And, and I kind of tweeted that tongue in cheek saying, oh, okay, you know, he's, he's going to keep uh, guys accountable because who knows if he's actually going to do that. But, you know, I think that's, you know, it, it's a, it's a good trait to have. And, you know, as, as much as you can only take that clip so seriously, I mean, if that's the guy who he is, you know, around his teammates and, and, you know, around the locker room, I mean, that's what you need. You need your quarterback to be that kind of leader for you. And so, it's going to be, uh, you know, I think that's th- those are the things that Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor are really looking at. Um, you know, is does this guy have the intangibles, and is this guy someone who can lead our franchise and, and make sure that our locker room culture is what we need it to be? Because Zach spent so much of last season basically installing this culture of what he wants here in Cincinnati. And Burrow is a guy who is said to work with his receivers a ton outside of just the structure of his practice. They have gotten in a lot of work working on making sure they're on the same page and it shows up on the field. And so there's another anecdotal point that speaks to his leadership. Last question, Ben, you speak about the culture that Zach Taylor has installed in Cincinnati. It was a rough season to install that winning culture, that open communication that he's looking for. Is there the sense still that that took did finishing the season on a winning note reinforce that? What's your sense of the way this team's going to come back next year uh, vis-a-vis the culture? You know, it's, it's fascinating is that we, when you talk to guys throughout, you know, at, you know, towards the end of the season, then after the season, a lot of them said, you know, you know, y'all might think we're crazy, but we really feel good about where the culture's at. Um, and a lot of them do, a lot of them feel like, you know, they're, they're on the verge of turning the corner. And, you know, basically when, you know, I talked to an assistant coach and, you know, and kind of described it as, 
when it, what what happened to the Bengals in 20, 2019 was essentially taking everything down to the studs. And it reminded me a lot of what Matt Rule did uh, when he got to Baylor. You know, he basically leveled that thing out. And that, they went 1-11 that season. And we're like, man, this thing is terrible. You know, a lot of people thought, okay, this this could be a disaster and, and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of the same vibes that you got from that Baylor team um, in Matt Rule's first year, you kind of had that in Zach's first year. And then, you know, by the time Rule got out, they went to the Sugar Bowl, um, went 11-1. You know, Matt, you know, took a job at, at Carolina, which I think I, he has a chance to do really well at. And I'm not saying Zach's going to enjoy the same success as Matt. I think that's still a little too early. I think Zach doesn't, you know, have – you know, Matt came in with a lot more head coaching experience. You know, he had the job at Temple before he went to Baylor. I think Zach is still trying to figure some things out as to how to be a head coach, you know, and, and how to be a, a full-time coordinator because that's not something he's ever been either uh, at the NFL level. So, you know, there was a lot on his plate. But I think the important thing is that culture that, you know, um, you know, there's, I thought there, think there was a lot more accountability and a lot of the guys liked that. Um, there was, you know, you saw the fight that they had in that Miami game, the way that they played against Cleveland um, you know, and I, you often you hear guys say, you know, we didn't quit on the year. We knew that we basically had nothing to play for. But, you know, this is kind of the way we want to do things. And and, you know, the, the play on the field kind of mirrored that. So I think if I think Zach did a good job of installing that. Now the question is going to be is can he carry that over in the year two? You know, that remains to be seen. And, and more importantly, can he fix all the things that weren't working? Because there was a lot of it. Um, last season and it, you know if, if all of that can be said and, and most importantly can they bring in more talent uh, to kind of upgrade this roster that, that desperately needs more talent across the board um, you could see a much better product in in not just 2020 but you know 2021 and beyond all right ben my last question as somebody with a last name like goodberry that can be um played with many jokes uh, at growing up how was growing up with the last name baby you know, it's so. This is a. It's a great question, by the way. Okay. Um, this, is, this is a very solid ender. Um, you know, it's actually funny. My parents, um, we pronounce it Bobby for the longest time, and I never really understood why. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. And, you know, I got to high school, and I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. I'm pretty sure it's baby. And sure enough, <laughs> you know, in India, that's how they pronounce it. And I don't really. I've never really had the conversation with my parents as to why they pronounce it that way. And now. You know, I think they've kind of caved and they go baby. So um, it was it wasn't as bad as it could have been. I think once I got to like high school and college, I got I had a lot more fun with it and, and people had more fun with it. My uh, my column in high school and I think in college it was called Baby Talk. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, if, I ever, good. If, if I ever get in column again, you know, that'll that'll be the the, the name of it. I remember when I was in San Antonio, I tried to uh, tell the editor I wanted my column to be named that. And they're like, yeah, no, you haven't been here long enough. That's not <laughs> that's not happening. Go back to your corner. So, um, <laughs> and, and in this case, the editor does put baby in the corner. So, um, no, it's it's fun. It's a uh, you know when you have a fun last name, you can do some good things with it. But uh, but I'm sure whenever the uh, whenever the season starts going, and if I start putting out some bad content, people are going to use that last name against me. So, well, Mr. Baby, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. This is ESPN's beat writer for the Bengals. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Ben underscore Baby. He's got great content all year. The things that he put out are things that I clicked on. And the only grudge I have, Ben, is that you started to, well, you stopped picking Joe and I to win the GIF of the week. What gives? It's rigged. Y'all, y'all rig it. Joe's got the check mark. So <laughs> therefore, like, you know, anytime, he, and it's unfortunate because y'all could probably win it every week. Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a testament to the following y'all have. And so I said, you know what, we gotta, we gotta, you know, put some rules in to help other people out. And so, 
um, as the commissioner of the uh, the annual uh, GIF of the week, I said that's this how it's going to be. So, um, so be it. But no, it's been that's been fun, and I'm glad we were able to have a little fun this year because the Bengals season uh, did not contain a lot of that. So we'll <laughs> see how that we'll see if that changes in 2020. Well, you know what? Thanks for going over to the GIF from the emoji. I think that was a good move. I just, I think I'll hold it against you forever that you prevented the creation of what could have been a special dynasty. It was going to be Patriots dynasty level. Yeah. <laughs> there's all, hey, there's always next year. You never know what happens. Well, we'll have to wait and find out. Ben, thanks again so much for coming on. Tomorrow, Bengals fans, we've got our mailbag. So get those questions ready. We'll have a tweet up during the day and we'll get your questions answered. Until then, Bengals fans. Have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.